Welcome to another episode of Daf Shui. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. Today, actually, we're going to only be doing half a Daf or an Amud because it's really long and dense and interesting and complicated, as it always is. We are here today on Rosh Chodesh Adar when we're recording this, the first day of the month of Adar. Adar is known as being the month in which Purim is celebrated Purim, a complicated, complex holiday. Adar's kind of slogan is Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Bissimcha. When you go into Adar, you should be joyous. And it's supposed to be a month in which bad things turn out to good things, but oftentimes good things turn out to bad things. And today we remember that 26 years ago on this day, Baruch Goldstein, who was an American born settler in Hebron, went into the Maratamach Pelah, the Ibrahimi Mosque and slaughtered 29 uh, Muslims while they were at prayer and wounded over 100 more on the holiday of Purim, just adding to the complications of what happens when you have a triumphalist holiday and then you end up having power also. And now we start. We are on page 15b. It's all the way at the bottom in the set out that was initiated by the widow and brothers Ra'im. Four lines up from the bottom, the middle of the wide lines. And just as background for what we're doing here, through the last few weeks, we've seen that we've gone from a conversation about what a Torah scroll looks like to a conversation about the order of the books in scripture and then the beginning of discussion of the book of Job. And so today, what this is, is a midrash, a Babylonian midrash on Job, an exegesis of Job. The exegesis is not really a good word for it, an interpretation. We'll see it's not uh, a word by word or a translation. We are going to start, so just as background, Job starts, for those of you who, who missed that period in Hebrew school, the story of Job starts with a conversation between God and Satan, as one does. And God says to Satan, you know, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been out and about around the, the world. And God says, well, did you run across Job? And Satan says, what do you mean? And God says, well, Job, he's like my favorite, most loyal person in the whole world. And he's so pious and loyal to me. And Job says, sure he is, because he's wealthy. He's part of the 1%. You've given him everything. Why should he not be wealthy? And God says, oh, that's not the reason. Go out. I give you permission to smite him and his flock and his children. And then we'll see what happens. And Satan goes out and does that and comes back the next week. And Job is still, at the end of the chapter one, it says Job still did not curse God, even though his wife, who might have had more seichel than he did, said to him, why don't you just curse God? Look what happened to everybody. Your kids are dead. Your, your riches are gone. Your flocks are gone. Satan comes back to God. God says, see, Job, still my, my loyal, pious servant. And Job says, raising the stakes. Yeah, because you didn't let me touch him. And God says, well, go out. And now you could smite him, but you can't kill him. And Job does. He goes out and he smites him, but he doesn't kill him. And then the rest of the book is Job's friends coming and doing this thing where they're trying to support him and at the same time saying, if God did this to you, then you must have done something wrong. And Job saying that I didn't really do anything wrong. So that's the rest of the book. Now, what's fascinating here is that the Talmud will go through a lot of verses, especially in the beginning, but then will jump around to create its own Job narrative, which isn't 
radically different than, than the narrative that we find in the Bible, but is different enough so that it, it hits on the theological points that are important for the Bible. The theological challenges that Job poses, of course, are challenges of good and evil, of, of reward and punishment. How is it that God could just sick Satan on a pious man for no reason. How is it in the end that when Job confronts God, God says, well, you have no idea what I did and therefore you can't judge me. All these things, especially since we know the framing story. So those are kind of the issues that will be discussed in this Amud, in this page of Talmud. There we go. So we'll start. If you want to follow along, it's on, in addition to the page of Gemara, which you can find by clicking through on the podcast site to either Sepharia or HebrewBooks.org or alhatorah.org. Ve'ulam, and now we're in Job 1, 11 and 12. Ve'ulam, shlachna yadcha v'ga b'chol asher lo, imlo al panecha yivarechecha. And this is God sending uh, Satan out, giving Satan permission to go out and smite Job and saying, and now go out and you can touch, in other words, you can destroy anything that is his and you will see that he will not bless you. And v'yomra Hashem al-Satan, this, that's Satan, it says to God, give me permission to do this, and then you will see that he will no longer bless you. Vayomer Adonai Ela Satan, and God says to Satan, All that he has are yours, do whatever you want. Give it your best shot. And it was the day, meaning that the scene changed, and the scene of a party. All the brothers and sisters came to their eldest brother's house, and a, an angel came to Job and said, and then he's going to describe the fact that everybody got killed, but he starts by saying, the flock were plowing the fields, and the verse continues, and so the Talmud asks, what does it mean the flock were plowing and the asses were standing next to them eating the grass? Rabbi Yochanan, a Palestinian sage, says this teaches us that God gave Job like his own little uh, world to come, his own little paradise, where some of the images that we have of paradise is that all the animals are just hanging out together, having a grand old time. Then the Gemara goes on and quotes the attacks on Job's children and his flock and his, his estate. Eish Elohim, etc. This one is talking, and then another one comes and says, the fire of God came down and burnt everything. This one, the first uh, messenger, didn't even finish talking, and the another one came and said, the Chaldeans came in a three-headed attack, and they grabbed all the camels and all of your, your flock. This one didn't, this messenger had not yet finished talking, and another one came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the house of their eldest brother. And a massive wind came from the desert and smote all four corners of the house and it fell in on them and everybody died. And Eov arose and he ripped his cloak and he shaved his head. Naked I exited my mother's womb and naked I will return there. God gave and God took. 
let the name of God be blessed. And that's kind of a, an abridged version of chapter 1. continuation of the verse. The, in, it, w- despite all this, Eov didn't, Job didn't sin, and he didn't curse God. And again, meaning that there was another day, another scene. And the Bnei Elohim, which is kind of an interesting locution. Uh, it's, it means literally the children of the gods, means divine beings which is part of biblical theology. We find it in very different places. In Genesis, there's a story about the Bnei Elohim. The rabbis kind of slip over that and just make believe the Bnei Elohim are just angels, which is less problematic. The divine beings came and stood before God. Vayomer Hashem Ela Satan, and God said to Satan, Amy Zetavo, where are you coming from? Vayana Satan et Hashem Vayomer Mishut Ba'aretz. And Satan replied and said, I am coming from flying around the land. Amar Lefanav. Satan said to God, Ribono Master of the universe. I went around the whole world, and it must mean I went all back and forth in history, and I didn't find anybody who is as great as your servant Abraham. To whom you said, get up and walk the whole land to its width and to its breadth, because I'm going to give it to you. But at the time Abraham had to bury Sarah after Sarah died, he didn't find a place, he had no place to bury her, but still, even though he had been promised the whole land but couldn't bury his wife, he still did not doubt you, God. That's how great Abraham was. And this is kind of a dis to God because God wanted Satan to know how great Job was. And God, a little perturbed, says, Well, have you paid attention to my, my servant Job? There's nobody like him in the whole land. And he's still in his innocence, in his purity, and you forced me to go against him for nothing. You forced me, you, you angered me against him for nothing. Rabbi Yochanan said, if it had not been a specifically written in the verse, I would not have been able to say it. This is an introduction that the rabbis always use when they're going to say something which is scandalous, in quotes, which is kind of theologically radical. What is the radical theology here? This is saying that God is like a person who has been triggered, who has been trolled and gets trolled. In other words, a person who they is they that somebody is trying to anger their person and the person actually gets angered. So Satan was bringing up Abraham and not Job because he wanted to anger God, saying that no, Job's not so great. It says we have a, a Tanaic text which says, Yoreid Umate, that Satan went down and did his thing. I mean, he, he went down and he, he got people off the path. And he got up and he made God angry. And there's a version that say Mastin, and he got up and he said bad things about Israel. He took permission and he took souls. And then one of the manuscripts adds from here, we know that, that Satan has, in Hebrew works out better, Satan has permission to Satanize, meaning Satan has permission to speak evil of people, to prosecute people. That's Satan's job. So now we continue. So therefore, what we have here is that the, the introduction is characterized by the rabbis as Satan 
angering God, Satan working really hard to get God pissed off. And Satan succeeds. And Satan answered God saying, Or bad or. A bone for a bone, or an organ for an organ. Everything that a person that this person has, he'll give for his soul. Ulam, in other words, that it's okay. Yeah, I took his crops, I took his flocks, I took his house, I took his children, and he still remained with his soul. Ulam But see if you actually make him suffer physically, if you touch him, smite him and in his flesh, see if he will not still bless you. So God says to Satan, taking the bait, he is in your hands, but watch his soul. You can't kill him. And Satan left from in front of God and he went down and he smote Job. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Kashet shel satan shel Iov. An interesting take, that Satan was feeling even worse than Job was. This is like a servant whose master said to him, break the cask, but save the wine. In other words, Satan was chomping at the bit to be able to kill Job. But God said, no, you can't kill him. You can just make him suffer. Amar Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish, another Palestinian sage, said, Satan is the same person or figure or character as the evil inclination, as the angel of death. So he is the Satan because he's introduced in Job and Satan left before God. Who Yetzer Hara is the evil inclination. Ktiv Hatam Rak Ra Kolayom, because in Genesis 6, we have a verse that says about people that they are just evil all day long. Uktiv Hacha Rak Elav Al Tishlach Yadcha. Only against him do not send your hand. And so the Rak, Rak, the only, only, is the Midrashic hook to say that the Satan is Yetzer Hara, is the evil inclination. Who Malachamabin, and he is also the angel of death. Because God says to the angel, just save his life. So meaning that he his life existed within Satan's purview. That Satan actually owned his life. Why? Because Satan was the Malach who will ultimately collect his soul. Amar Ablevi, Levi in a parenthetical comment, another Palestinian sage, Satan ufnina l'shem shemayim nitkavnu. Both Satan and Pnina, which seems to be an odd digression. Pnina is one of the wives of Samuel in the book of Samuel, sister wife of Hannah, Hannah in the book of Samuel. And there's a whole long story where Hannah had no children and Pnina had many children and Hannah was very depressed, sad, angry, came before the high priest and demanded children and ultimately got them. But Pnina was, it says in the verse there that Pnina would kind of make fun of Chana, Bavur Harima, we'll get to that in a minute, meaning to get her to pray. Satan, so, so both Satan and Pnina seem to have been working on good intentions. What is Satan's good intentions? Satan came in the Chazila Kadosh Baruchu, Dinatye Date Batar Iov, since Satan saw that the Holy One of Blessing was moving his focus after Job, Amar, 
Chas v'shalom, min shilele rachmanute d'Avram. He said, oh, chas v'shalom, or God forbid, as it were. But he's forgetting about his love for Abraham. So that can't be. So Job went down and, and tried to restore his love for Abraham. Pnina, nechtiv v'chiyasatat, sarata gamkas bavur harima. Pina, because it says in the verse, as we mentioned, and she angered her sister wife in order for her to call out and the, uh, the commentaries understand, call out and, and pray for a child. Drasha Rav Achabar Yaakov b'fafunya. Rav Achabar Yaakov sermonized or exegeted, interpreted this verse in fafunya. Ata Satan nashke lakare. At that moment, Satan came and kissed her feet. Now that gesture of nashke lakare, kissing the feet, is a gesture of extreme respect. We find it, we don't find it that often. We find it a couple of times in the Bavli where somebody says something really smart so their rabbi will come and nashke lakare, will come and kiss their feet as a sign of respect. Becholzot lo chata iov bisvatav. Still, with all this, even after Eov had been smitten in his body, the Gemara says, Eov did not sin with his mouth. Amar Rava or Raba. Now, there's, there's an interesting thing here, and it's a real problem when you have texts that were transmitted first orally and then in manuscript, handwritten manuscripts, and you have names that are very familiar, very similar. Rava, which is Reish Bet Aleph, and Raba, Reish Bet He. There's a difference of a generation between them, and Rava is one of the central figures in the Bavli, quoted hundreds of times. Raba was his teacher, the generation before, also one of the major heads of the academy. He was also Abaye, who's Rava's study partner's father-in-law. But the interesting thing is that sometimes they, they're, so they're constantly, as you might imagine, Rava and Raba get interchanged to the extent that there's a list in the Gaonim, which occurrences are supposed to be Raba and which occurrences are supposed to be Rava. And the variant, the manuscripts often have variants on whether it's Rava and Raba. Now, why does that make a difference? Because Rava, we mentioned Purim at the, the start of the, of the podcast, Rava has sometimes a unique midrashic interpretation. So for example, like the, here we have a midrash on Eov, on Job. In uh, Masechet Megillah, in the first chapter of Masechet Megillah, there's a whole midrash on the Esther story. And there, Rava has a very consistent and very unique explanation of Esther. So it seems that Rava not only represents a person, but also represents a way of thinking. So it's interesting to know and important to know whether this naming, attributing to Rava, is also attributing a certain way of understanding. But here it seems that the manuscripts say it's Rava and not Rava, though later on we'll see that there is a, a stream of Rava statements about Job. Okay. Amar Rava, so Rava said, Bisfatav lo chata, belibo chata. He did not sin with his lips, but he sinned in his heart. My kamar, Eretz nitna biad rasha, pnei shoftel yechase imlo efo mihu. The verse, the complicated part of this verse is the second part, imlo efo mihu. The first part of the verse is that the land has been given over to an evil person. The faces of the judges have been covered over, meaning there's no righteousness, there's no law. But then it says, imlo efo mihu, which can mean one of two things. Either imlo, if this is not true, who will come and show me I am wrong? In other words, Job is saying, if it's not true that there's no justice, then who's going to show me that I'm wrong? Or if it is not the evil one who is doing all this, then tell me who is doing all this. So is the stress on that the land was given to a specific Russia, meaning Satan, or is it that the land is just being given over to evil? 
Amar Raba, again, all the, the manuscripts have Raba, Bikesh Yov Lafuch Kara Al Pia. Raba said that Eov wanted to turn everything on its head, meaning that if the land was all given over to evil and Satan or Satan was controlling everything that was going on, so that means that there's no accountability anymore. So that's Lafuch Kara Al Pia to, uh, to overturn the normal order. Amar Leabaye. So Rabbi's study partner, Rabbi's son-in-law said, Lo diber Eov ela kineged satan Abaye is going with the, the interpretation saying that Eov was just talking to the Satan, saying Satan is trying to control everything here. Kitanai, this is like a, a machloket amongst the Tanaim, the earlier sages. Eretz natna biyad rasha, the land is given over to the evil one. Rabbi Lezer omer bikesh Eov lafoch karal pia. Rabbi Lezer says that Eov wanted to overturn the order of how we understand reward and punishment. Amarlo Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, who was his study partner, his person he constantly argued with, Lo Yov Satan. Job was only speaking against Satan. So this is the beginning. So now this was from Job from chapter nine, right? So we jumped from, so we started a whole long thing about the introduction. And now this was the first characterization of what's going on with Job after he was smitten. First, one thing is taken out of a long speech of Job's in chapter 9. There is no justice in the land. Okay. This week's podcast is brought to you by Job and Friends Group Therapy. Are you feeling down? Sad? Does it feel like your life is going nowhere? Well, come to Job and Friends, and after your first hour of group therapy, you will realize that your life could be so much worse. Now, Job and Friends have locations in both Sura and Pumpadita. And for listeners of this podcast, if you mention Daf Shui, you get a 20% discount off your first session. Job and friends, because your life could be so much worse. Now we're going to quote a verse from chapter 10. 10.7 Which is translated usually as, You know that I am not guilty, and there is none to deliver from your hand. That's, that's the Jewish Publication Society translation. Amar. Rabba, Rabba says, again, according to the manuscript, Rabba says that Eov wanted to get everybody out of judgment. So to exempt everybody from judgment. How would he do that? You created a cow whose hoofs are cleaved. You created a donkey whose legs are not cleaved, whose hoofs are not cleaved. Barata Ganeid and Brata Gainam. You you created both paradise and hell. Brata Tzadikim, Brata Rishem. You created righteous people and you created evil people. Mima Akev Al Yadecha. There is nobody who can stop you from doing anything. Meaning, rereading the verse to say, Al Kilo Ersha, it is only by your permission that I would do anything evil. And nobody can save from your hand. So this is all, all your fault. Without your knowledge, I wouldn't have done anything wrong. What did Eov's friends say back to him? And that's coming from, actually, from the next, uh, from, from chapter 15, a speech of one of Job's friends who says, literally, the translation is, you, you saying to Job, you subvert piety and restrain prayer to God. Says, what does that mean? The, the Holy One of Blessing created the evil inclination, but he also created Torah 
as a cure for the evil inclination. So they're rereading it as point as actually to saying to Job, excuse me, his friend's reply is, no, it's you. Because God actually created a bomb to the evil inclination. You didn't have to sin. It's not that you were forced to. All right. So now we have the debate between Job and his friends. Darash Rava. So Rava had a drasha on the following verse. Actually, in some of the manuscripts, that Darash Rava introduction isn't there, which would actually fit into the way the previous ones were. But it doesn't really change the meaning. And now we're jumping forward to Job 29. What does it mean when we say, and the translation that JPS says, I received the blessing of the lost, I gladden the heart of the widow. What does that mean, Birchat? Oved alai tavo, the blessing of the lost will come by me, or I receive the blessing of the lost. Milamed shaya gozel sadem yitomim umashbicham achziralem. So this teaches us that Job would steal the fields of orphans, but wait, he would then make them worth more. He would work them and so that they that their price went up, and then he would return them to them. Velev amana arnin, and the heart of the widow I will gladden. To call hecha, to have almana, to la have naspila, have azil shadi shmei ilve, ilva vahavu ati naspila. Every place, any any widow who nobody wanted to marry or remarry, he would Job would go and would put his name on her, meaning that he would say that. And he was a rich guy, so he would let it be known that he was that widow's relative. So therefore, people would come and want to marry her. So here we have a different picture. This is Job doing good stuff. Even though in the first case, it's he steals the property of the orphans, but he steals the property, property of the orphans in order to raise their value. So here we have a picture of uh, Job actually being not a bad guy. Lucia, so now we go on. And now we're jumping to Job 6. So if I had, this is actually the half of a statement, and this is the first half of the statement, and literally translated, if my anguish were weighed, my full calamity laid on the scale, and the second half of the statement is the next verse, where it wouldn't be able to, to contain it. Amar Rava, and here, these are the, the four Rava statements, one after the other, even though it says Rav in the printed editions. Amar Rava, all the manuscripts have Rava. Afra lapume de Iov, chavruta klape shmaya. This Afra lapume de Iov introduces each of the statements, which means dirt in the mouth of Job, which is a bad thing. Or basically, Job, shut up. Chavruta Kapeshmaya, who are you to say something like this? Who are you to say that you are so angry at God? What are you, God's friend? And it goes on. Lu yesh beinenu mochiach yashet yado al shneinu. That's in Job 9. My full calamity laid on the scales. No arbiter is between us to lay his hand on us both. Right? So Amar Rava, Afra lafumedia, once again, dirt in Job's mouth. Klum yesh eved shemochiach et rabo. How could it be a slave... There's no slave that that remonstrates against or remonstrates against his master, takes his master to task. How could so that meaning that they're they're reading this, if there was a mediator to mediate between the two of us, so then the things would come out right. So Rabbi is saying, What are you talking about? You know, you're talking about God, and then God is your master. It's like a slave coming by and screaming against his master. Now, so 
Eob, not such a good guy. Continuing with the Eob, not such a good guy theme, Job 31, Brit karati le'enai uma'et bonan al-bitsula. Job in here, this is 31. This is towards the end of the book of Job. There's still several chapters left. But here Job is saying, I'm a righteous person. I have not sinned. And part of that is, Brit karati le'enai. I have cut a covenant with my eyes. Uma'et bonan al-bitsula. I wouldn't even look at a virgin. Amarava. In other words, I wouldn't even look at a virgin. All the more so would I not sleep with a virgin. Amarava. Rava said, Afra But once again, shut up, Job. Dirt in the mouth of Job. Iu bachranita. He is just in the back of the line. He's like, who is he? Avram Avram didn't even look at his own wife let alone somebody else, some other woman. When Abraham was going to the land of the Philistines, he said to, to Sarah, I'm going to hide you, and if they find you, say that you are not my wife, say that you are my sister, because I know now that you are, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and they will take you and they will kill me. So So if you read it literally, here now I know that you are a beautiful woman. The Gemara reads this strongly to say, from the beginning, he didn't know that she was beautiful. So until that moment, it was at that moment that he realized that he was beautiful. Setting aside the obviously sexist contextualization of that, shows that Abraham was even more pious than Job, kind of the theme that Satan tried to put out in the beginning, because Abraham didn't even look at his own wife. And we go on. Rabbi characterizing Job, Kale Anan Vayelech, Kain Yurad Shaol Lo Ya'aleh. As a cloud goes and disappears, so too one will go down to Shaol, to death, and will not arise again. From Job 7, Amarava, Mikan Shekafar Iov Betriatamatim. So here's the first like, real theological statement. From here, we learn that Job denied the resurrection of the dead. Why? Because it says, Yurej Sha'ol Lo Yale, that a person goes down to Sha'ol and does not come up again. So apparently there's no resurrection of the dead. And this was one of the early places in which there was a conflict, Jewish-Christian conflict, because the Christian fathers also had problems with Job, and what did they do about it? So that was a place of contention also in this. So here we have Job, Rabbah saying that Job was a, well, didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Go on to Job 9. That was Job 7. Job 9. Asher b'sa'ara yishufeni v'herba pitzi chinam, for he crushes me for a hair. He wounds me for no cause. And here the, interesting, the pun is sa'ara, which here means hair. And later on, God appears in a sa'ara, which is a storm, a whirlwind. He has, crushes me for a hair. He wounds me much for no cause. So God is just beating me up for no reason. Amarava, Rava once again, according to the manuscript, says, Eov b'sa'ara chiref u'b'sa'ara heshivuhu. Eov blasphemed with a hair, and with a hair he was... God uh, replied to him. With uh, hair he blasphemed. Because he said, It's only for nothing that you, for nothing that you oppressed me. So this is is the thing that he came up with. He said, Master of the universe, maybe there was a, a storm. And the storm came in front of you. And when the storm passed, uh, you made a mistake and 
chose a different Eov. And that other Eov was really bad, so therefore you punished that other Eov. Bisara hashivu, and God returned, God answered Eov with a Sarah, both out of whirlwind, and with a, with this little thing, with a with a hair, dichtiv, as it says, Vayan Hashem and God answered Job from the whirlwind, Vayomer Azor na kegeber and God said to Eov, "Listen up, gird your loins, and I will ask you, and you will tell me." Amarlo, that's from Eov, thirty-eight. Amarlo, he said to him in the manuscripts. Add, you fool. I created so many hairs in a person. Each hair has its own, each follicle has its own uh, little hole that it goes into. Its own one. So that not, no two follicles will uh, be drawing from the same, from the same hole. Because if two draw from the same hole, then they will, then a person will die. They will darken the light in the eyes of a person, which is based on some sort of medicine from late antiquity. I'm pretty sure that if that happens, we won't die, but who knows. So I created... Thousands and millions of people, and in each one of each one of them has all these follicles, and each follicle has its very own place that it, it grows out of. And I didn't make a mistake with that. You think I made a mistake and didn't recognize one EO from another EO? So now EO is going to get his. Go to in, continuing in chapter thirty-eight. Me pilag la shetef to Allah, who cut a channel for the torrents. God says. I created many raindrops in the clouds. Each raindrop, I created for it its own shape and its own place. So that you don't have two raindrops that are coming out of the same place. Because if you had two raindrops coming out of the same place, they would turn the earth into clay. And the earth would no longer produce fruit. And I created all these millions and millions and millions of raindrops, and I didn't didn't make a mistake between them. But you think I made a mistake between Eov and Eov, between Job and Job? My mashmas. Then the Gemara says, how do we get from this verse where it says Taala, which means kind of a channel, to Tfus, the place? The high Taala lishna the So the Gemara is just pointing out that this Taala's channel. Is the means actually dfus, kind of a shape and a place? Ama Rabba Barshila. Rabba Barshila, another sage says, Tichtiv, for the verse says, Vayas ta'ala kivet sataim zera. And because he made a channel which had the quantity of two sa'a of seeds. Biderach la chaziz kolot, and a path for the thunderstorms. Harbei kolot barati bavim. I created much thunder in the clouds. And for each thunder sound, thunder blast, I created its own path. So that no two thunder paths should go down the same path. Because if the two, two sounds would go down in one path, it would destroy the whole world. Be so loud or so have such force. Between these two calls, between these two thunder blasts, 
I didn't make a mistake, but you think I made a mistake between Job and Job? And that's the end of that rant, which is basically God saying, what do you think, I'm an idiot? I do such things on such a sophisticated level and I don't know who Job is. And now we move on. God, this is still, so this is, again, we're going to chapter 39. This is God's speech to Job out of the whirlwind. Do you know, God saying to Job, do you know the time of the, uh, that mountain goats give birth, the time that gazelles give birth, that they're just about to go into labor? So the Gemara says, what does this mean? This mountain goat is very cruel to its children. So when it, it's the time for it to give birth, it goes up to a mountaintop so that when it gives birth, the young should fall down from the mountain and die. For Ani, and God says, Mazmin la nesher, and I bring a, an eagle, that exactly when the baby mountain goat is going to fall down, just comes out of the womb and is just about to roll down the hill, grabs it and picks it up and puts it down in front of it. And if it would come one minute too early or one minute too late, the young would die. So you think I could be that exacting on the moments, but I don't know the difference between one Job and another Job? And the second half of that of that verse, the time when gazelles are about to give birth, so the gazelle, Rachmatzar, womb is very narrow. So when she's about to give birth, I make sure that there is some kind of a wasp that comes, who that stings her in her womb, and it loosens and widens, and allows her to give birth. And if it was one minute early or one minute late, Miad Meta, she would die because uh, her, the baby wouldn't be able to get out, be stuck inside. Bein regal regal on it from one minute to another. I don't make a mistake. Bein eov the eov net chalefli between Job and Job. You think I'm going to make a mistake? So we end off this with God saying eov lo bedati daber udvarav lo bahaskel. Job did not speak literally. Job did not speak with wisdom, and his words were not intelligent. And then God is saying to, to Job's friends, For you have not spoken to me well, like my servant Job. Amar Rava, Rava's final statement on this at the moment, Here he says, From here we learn that a person is not taken to task for what he says in the moment of his pain or his agony. So after all this, which is fascinating that this is put placed here after this whole rant where God is going after Job saying, who are you to say that I don't know what's going on, that I don't know that you're the Job, that I maybe made a mistake and I punished the wrong Job? God turns to Job's friends who the whole time have been justifying God by saying, oh, you must have done something wrong. And God says to them, you didn't speak well. And according to the way the rabbi understands him saying that when a person is in that much pain, you can't take him to task. All right. This is where we're going to stop here. What's fascinating to me about this whole long, complicated retelling of Job is that it goes through the book and sets it up as God and Satan. Is Job good? Is Job bad? And then finally, here we rest on 
Job kind of getting his moment with God saying, what are you doing? And God saying, well, I know what I'm doing. And then God, though, saying to Job's friends, sit down a minute, keep quiet. You have no right, All right? We're gonna pick it up. There's more on Job next week and we're almost to the end of the first chapter when hopefully at the end of the first chapter, we will have a mighty sium, a mighty festivity or a small festivity. Thank you once again for spending this time with me. Daf Shvui, give me 40 minutes and I'll give you a daf or so. Today, half a daf, so next week, the second half of the daf. I am Arye Cohen. I am here in the beautiful Unger Sargon Studios. As always, my gratitude to Ellie Unger Sargon, whose firm hand makes sure that you guys can hear what it is that I'm saying. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give me a rating, a good rating. If you didn't enjoy it, just, you know, go on with your day. And you could add a comment, tell your friends, send it out on all the places. You can follow me on Twitter at irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T, on the Twitters. Have a wonderful week and have a joyous Adar.